The Lord be with you. A reading of the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. When John the Baptist heard in prison of the works of Christ, he sent his disciples to Jesus with this question. Are you the one who is to come, or should we be looking for another? And Jesus said to them in reply, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind regain their sight. The lame walk. Lepers are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the poor have the good news proclaimed to them. And blessed is the one who takes no offense at me. As they were going off, Jesus began to speak to crowds about John. What did you go out to the desert to see? A reed swayed by the wind? Then what did you go out to see? Someone dressed in fine clothing? Those who wear fine clothing are in royal palaces. Then why did you go out? To see a prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, Behold, I am sending my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare the way before you. Amen, I say to you, among those born of women, there has been none greater than John the Baptist. Yet the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. The Gospel of the Lord. The Lord be with you. Last week we talked about John the Baptist, and this week I'd like to talk about another figure in the, the New Testament. Uh, she's a woman that we've all heard of before. But to talk about her, I'd kind of like to begin with a sort of a theological reflection on what Christmas means. And before any of you fall asleep, don't worry, this is, you know, hopefully you've had some coffee by now. I won't go too, you know, down a rabbit hole of theology. But the first Christians, when it occurred to them a few years after Jesus ascended to heaven to begin celebrating the different events of his life, when they started celebrating Christmas, they weren't simply remembering that it was Jesus' birthday and the way we would do so today for our family and friends. It wasn't that they wanted to make a birthday cake and put all the candles as to how long Jesus had uh, been human, so this year would be the 2022nd birthday of Jesus, right? We're not, that's not what they did. That's not what we're doing. It's part of it, but there's a deeper meaning. For those first Christians they recognized and experienced something powerful, that God who was up there, all-powerful, being able to do all things, omniscient, knowing all things, omnipresent, those are his divine attributes, God was in all things, that up there he was now down here. He became one of us, and he's this little child in the arms of this beautiful woman named Mary that God was no longer far away, but he had taken human flesh 
and was so close to us. We call this the incarnation of Jesus, the taking flesh of Jesus. And that's what we're really celebrating. John, the apostle who was so close to Jesus, wrote in a letter to the Christians many years later. Let's read from 1 John chapter 1. This is what John is telling them. This is what we proclaim to you, what has existed from the beginning, what we have heard, and what we have seen with our own eyes, what we have touched. This we proclaim to you, the word of life. John was reminding them that God wasn't just up there. We had seen him, heard him, touched him, been with him. That was powerful for the first Christians, and it should be powerful for us today. Jesus, in a sense, being all divine, becomes human, so that all things human can also become divine. And Jesus did a lot of human things for us. The first Christians, our Catholic Christian faith is full of human realities. Jesus took our need to be cleansed, to bathe, and he made that a sacrament where water would be poured over us and we would be cleansed of original sin. He took our human need to, to have food and drink. He gave us the bread and wine, which became a sacrament of his body and blood, that we would be nourished in that way. He took our need for medicine and to be healed. In the time of Jesus, you would pour oil on open wounds. It was a symbol of healing. He took oil and said to the apostles, anoint those who are sick for healing. He made that a sacrament. Jesus took something so beautiful, which is human love, the love between husband and wife and that intimacy that they share. He said, this is beautiful and human. It is now also divine in a sacrament. You see, the, our faith is full of these human elements that have been transformed. And that's what happens to us Christians who, we, who come from a different, you could say, our, our entrance into our Christian life begins at baptism, and we are transformed. There's another passage from the book of Revelation, which I want to use, because this human element also refers to why we Christians love to honor the saints. In the book of Revelation, it says, the smoke of the incense of the prayers of the saints ascends up before God. We get a glimpse of heaven, and the saints of God, all of our brothers and sisters who've gone before us, are there before God praying for us. They don't need to pray for themselves. If you're before God, you don't really need a whole lot of prayers, but we need them. So the early Christians were always asking the saints who'd gone before to pray for them. And the queen of all saints, we call her the Blessed Mother, Mary. And that's who I would like to kind of end this homily speaking about. She's a beautiful figure uh, that helps us to get ready for Christmas. In the book of Isaiah, which we read, it talked about God's glory being revealed and our human nature being made whole. It was through Mary's yes that allowed us to receive our Lord. There's something about Mary that I understood in a beautiful way uh, shortly after I was ordained a priest. I want to share a very personal story. I was uh, ordained in December, and in July, my grandmother 
was passing away. So all of my siblings, we sort of raced home to uh, there in Youngstown, Ohio, and got to her bedside. And I was a brand new priest. I, I don't know if I had anointed anyone at that point before, but I was at grandma's bedside and I had anointed her. And uh, she said to me, Michael, you are going to do so much for God. When I get to heaven, I'm going to tell Jesus all about you. Right. I guess I should mention, I don't know if she said that to Father Jason, by the way. So, uh, okay. All right. Now I'm going to have to go to confession, I think, for that one. But... Um, all right, it, it wasn't so much that my grandmother thought highly of me. Every grandmother thinks highly of their grandchildren, right? And it was this idea that my grandmother, who was a mother to me, who loved me, when she went to heaven, she wasn't going to stop being grandma. When we go to heaven, we don't stop being who you are. You don't forget your family and your memories. If you like chocolate ice cream here on earth, you're going to like it up there in heaven. We're human here and we'll be human there because Jesus became human being divine. And my grandmother wasn't going to forget me and she really was going to talk to Jesus about me. When we pray to Mary, this, this helped me to understand Mary as simply a good mother the Hail Mary prayer, which has been said how many billions of times by now, it takes scripture, the words of Elizabeth, Mary's cousin, who says, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. And then it ends with a simple prayer. Pray for us now and at the hour of our death. Amen. That's what Mary's doing up in heaven. That's why Jesus gave her to us on the cross so that we, she would be a mother. It doesn't have to be more sophisticated or complex than that. When we look to Mary, we know that she's up there in heaven with Jesus and she's not gonna forget us on earth. One of the things she did in the Bible which sets the whole stage for this was the wedding of Cana. You remember how she went to Jesus for that anonymous couple and asked Jesus to help them in a very human way that they would have more wine for their feast. And Jesus listened to his mother and he, he did something powerful. It's kind of lost in the translation there, but he, he asked them to take the water from the jars that they used to wash their feet. This wasn't nice water or clean water. It was probably maybe rain water at some point. It wasn't certainly, you know, bottled Fiji water, right? Jesus took dirty water and transformed it into the best wine possible. No matter where you're at in your human life, no matter if you feel like that dirty water, Jesus will transform you. And this Christmas, as we begin our journey, let's, as we've been accompanied by John the Baptist and Mary, and next week we're gonna see Saint Joseph, let's allow all of those intercession of the saints to help us to uh, open our hearts to allow this beautiful truth of God's grace and divinity to come into our lives. Now today we have a very uh, beautiful moment among us here. We have a lot of our, the men and women who are joining our faith this year at Easter. So some will be baptized and all will be confirmed and receive the Eucharist. So there's a tradition 
from the ancient Christians, which is to be baptized involved many different steps. And we're going to do two of them today. There was an ancient idea that for the first Christians, the sun rose in the east, right? The light comes in the east and it chases away the shadows of darkness to the west. And so there was an idea that the west was, you could say, the direction of sin and evil, and the east was the light of Christ. And so the first Christians would stand up and face west and renounce sin, and then they would turn around and face east and profess faith in Christ. We're going to have that today in a, our simplified version. We'll have them stand up and be present. And the second element of many was the, the signing of the cross. In ancient times, especially in the Roman Empire, uh, many men and women had marks on them, maybe a tattoo of some sort on their forehead that marked them as members of some religious deity, or a soldier would be branded as a soldier of Rome belonging to the emperor. A lot of people marked themselves with some sign of who they gave their allegiance to, and the first Christians obviously said, we need to be marked by the sign of the cross to show that we are Christians, and that's where we began making the sign of the cross. So we will also place a cross on their forehead. So I would invite everyone to remain seated, and if our catechumens and candidates can now please come forward. 